The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. That's our message. Our message is we want people to feel like this is home. We want them to realize that God is not a distant, removed God, but He is a Heavenly Father and desires all to be a part of His family. And He's made it possible. It's not up to us or what we do. Jesus already did it all. We just have to be willing to share that with those who have not yet come to know it. That's our message today, that we have a responsibility as members of the body of the family of God. We have a responsibility to be evangelists, to be missionaries, to be those who share our hope with others. During the season, one of my favorite Christmas carols is, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and Now you can see where Lexi gets her musical talent. That's one of my favorite songs because it carries and captures the truth that we have a story to tell. It's not a a fairy tale. It's not uh, something that just has good morals. It is the truth that Jesus came to this earth for one purpose, to redeem you and I to the Father as children. For those who believed in him and received him, he gives the right to become children of God, to be a part of the family. The book of James tells us that the greatest religion that God desires, first of all, God wants relationship. But if you're into religion, here's what he wants, the care of orphans and widows. And I'm not just talking physical orphans because there are many uh, orphans around the world, but there are spiritual orphans everywhere. About two billion people will gather in a church service. Now, we could say 100% of all those gathering in church services are believers, and if that even were true, there still would be 4 billion plus people who do not yet know our Savior. And we have a mission. The harvest is great, and the workers are few. And each and every single one of us that are a child of God are here to tell the story of our wonderful Father who loves us and who gave up everything for us. That's the greatest gift. That's what Christmas is all about And that's what you and I are here for, to welcome others into the family of God. Welcome home. We have a right and we have a responsibility. And today as we go through our notes, I want to encourage you uh, to try to do your best. I'm going to share about 47 verses with you. uh, And uh, I want you to take notes the best you can. We have a handout for you. If you don't have one, raise your hand and our ushers will make one available. Just leave your hand up until they get to you. Um, A lot of stuff, and I'm going to fly through it quick. But I want you to dig into it on your own during the week if there's something you want to dive deeper into uh, so you'll have it there. Instructions from Jesus. There are several that gives us our marching orders, that give us the way of the Father, that give us the way of knowing that this is the way. Anybody catch that? This. Okay, nobody out there is watching Mandalorian apparently. This is the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. You can't become a part of the family apart from Jesus. And my hope is that you will understand that truth. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, and you don't know him as the way, the truth, the life, if you don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior, the one who went to this cross and died and gave up everything for you in your place, when he was on the cross, you were on his mind. He thought of you, and he did it for you. And the Bible tells us that if we were all sheep, 
If, if, if we were 100 sheep and just one of us was missing, Jesus would leave the 99 just for the one. And there is that, there's a, that one in your life that needs to hear this message, that Jesus wants them to be a part of his family. Just to quickly throw out some truths from Scripture, Mark 16, 15 tells us that wherever you go in the world, tell the good news. What is the good news? The good news is the gospel. The word gospel and good news in Greek is the same exact word. The gospel is the good news. There is no better news that Jesus came, that he loves all, that anyone who would believe in him and receive him, he will forgive and become uh, their savior and give them new life. This is the good news. You don't have to do anything to uh, receive it. Just believe it. Believe it and he is yours. Acts 1.8 tells us this promise that you... Point to your neighbor and say, you, do it. You, you will be my witness. God doesn't call us to be defense attorneys. He calls us to be witnesses. A witness in a court of law tells what they saw and what they heard. You don't have to get up and be all giftfully and immaculately speaking and and try to lay down the best uh, groundbreaking argument. You simply need to witness. Tell others what he did for you. You will be my witness. The woman caught at the well or found at the well and and freed at the well, went back to her people and said, let me tell you about a man who knew everything I ever did. And he loved me still. He forgave me. The man who was blind, he he said, I don't know how how I can now see. All I can tell you is that I was blind and now I see. And in the words of Kanye West, Kanye said, there was a time when I was asleep and now I'm awake and I know who Jesus is. And that is our story. You don't have to have the Romans road memorized to a T. You just need to let people know that Jesus set you free. I didn't mean that to rhyme. It just came out that way. Matthew 28 says, I have been given all authority, so now go and make disciples. Don't wait. Don't build a building and wait for them to come to you. Don't put on fancy jingle jam Christmas programs and wait till they come to you. Go, go to them. Share with them my love. Share with them. Come to set them free. Go into all the world. Matthew 4, 19. Follow me and I'll show you how to be fishers of people, fishers of men. This very first invitation to the disciples. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They weren't religious authority figures. They were common everyday people. And Jesus said, I'm going to rock your world. Cast your net on the other side of the boat and watch what happens. After just catching no fish all night, they obeyed Jesus. They cast their nets and their nets were full. If they were obedient, if we will be obedient, our nets that we cast will be full. And he said, do you think that was good? Just wait to be, to the more that you're going to see. Come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. 2 Corinthians 5.20 tells us plainly, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. You hear me say that a lot. It's because it comes straight from Scripture. You and I are representatives sent to a foreign land. This earth is not our home. We are part of the kingdom of heaven. We are citizens of the family of God. And we are on this earth. This is our temporary post. We are on this earth to share the good news of our King. That all who come to know him can be part of the 
family of God. We are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, through you and I. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The Living Translation says God wants to connect with you in a friendship. That is what God is about. He didn't come to establish a religion. Church is not something we go to. It's who we are. It's a family. God wants everyone in his family. So our number one job that you need to hear today, my job as a part of God's family, is to invite others to become a part of the family. There are spiritual orphans everywhere, and they need a heavenly father. The truth is, is that God made us. That's your first point. Everyone I meet was made by him and for him. Every single person that is living and breathing was made by God, was made by him and for him. We were all created to be in relationship with him. That truth, if we truly begin to realize it and believe it, it will change our life. Your neighbor sitting next to you, your coworker who sits next to you five days a week, the person you're on track team with, the person you go to school with, your doctor, your barista, every single person you see was made by Jesus. And Jesus loves them. And Jesus wants a relationship with them. Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us, He has made everything beautiful in its time, and He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. In every human heart, there is a God-shaped void that only God can fill. God planted eternity in the heart of everyone. We're all longing to fill it with all kinds of different things in this world, but only Jesus can truly satisfy. And every person you meet, Jesus is working on them. He is drawing them. And it just may be the day that he's going to use you as the instrument in his hands to reach those that he is trying to reach. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone. Think of the the, the person in your life that you can barely stand to be around. Jesus loves them. Think of the most hardened criminal. Jesus loves them. Think of the most violent of terrorists. Jesus made them, and he created them to be in relationship with him. And his heart is broken over our lostness and our separation. And we are his plan A to go and make spiritual orphans members of the family of God. So when was the last time you prayed for the terrorist communities? When was the last time you prayed for the enemies in your life? When was the last time you prayed for the people who sit next to you day in and day out, praying that their eyes would be open to realize who Jesus truly is. 2 Corinthians 5.15 puts it like this, And he, Jesus, died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. I've said this illustration uh, every week this past month. Tom Brady, you guys heard of him? He has a few Super Bowl wins, right? After his fourth Super Bowl win, he was being interviewed. And he said, now that you've reached the pinnacle of your career, you've, you've accomplished every dream every athlete has ever wanted. You have a beautiful wife, beautiful homes, multiple wins. What do you think about at night? And Tom Brady said, there must be more. There has to be more than this. Tom Brady, a self-professed agnostic, basically 
doesn't understand that each of us, inside of us, there is a God-shaped void that no number of Super Bowls can fill. No number of wins, no, no amount of goods that we own, no many, no many how many cars or how many houses, nothing can fill that void apart from a family relationship that God made us. We're made by him and for him. Facebook blew up this week with another awesome uh, quarterback. What was his name? Was it Nick Foles? Jaguars? Anybody see that post? He was being interviewed about being traded and injuries that he's had to deal with. And they said, how do you get through all this? The back and forth. And he was like, my identity is not wrapped up in being a quarterback. My identity is not wrapped up in what team I'm a part of. My identity is not wrapped up in how many games I win. My identity is found in the Savior, Jesus Christ. He said this on live TV in the middle of a news interview. And he said, I don't see this as just a game. This NFL is my ministry. I was made for this. I was made by Jesus and for the ministry he has for me here. Jesus wants us to understand that everyone in our life was made by him and for him. He died for all. That no one should any any longer live for themselves, but for him who died for us. Uh, The message says it like this. Jesus included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his that they would come and understand and live a resurrection life, a far better life than people could ever live on their own. John 10.10, Jesus says plainly that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. There is a thief in this world. His name is Satan. He is the devil and the enemy of the family of God. And he doesn't care what he gets you distracted by as long as he keeps you away from Jesus. He comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give you life. Life full of meaning and purpose. Full life. The message says, I have come so that you can have real life and eternal life, a better life than you could ever dream of. Everyone we meet was made by him and for him. Number two, the second truth we see from scripture is God desires all to become a part of his family. There is not a single person alive that has ever lived or that will ever live that God does not love. It was his love that drove him to the cross. It is love for us that he gave up everything in the form of his son and became a servant and died in our place. God desires all to become a part of his family. Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all unto myself. But there are a couple truths we need to realize that just because Jesus made you does not mean you're automatically a part of his family. We are all created. Whether you believe in God or not, you were made by him. But not everyone is a member of his family. There's this thing in our life called sin that separates us. Holy God. The Bible tells us that God is light and in him there is no darkness. So how can, is it possible for those of us with sin in our life, how many of you have a little sin in your life? Amen. I mean, yes, I agree. It's not good that we have sin, but I am like Paul, the chief of all sinners. I have sin in my life. So where is their hope? We all have sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. But the hope comes from Romans 6.23 that says the wages of sin, while because of our sin, we deserve death. 
we deserve eternal separation from God because God is holy. He is righteous. There can be no sin in his presence. And so our sin separates us. And the wages of our sin, the payment of our sin, what we deserve because of our sin is spiritual, eternal death. But, keep reading the verse. Whenever there's a but in the Bible, it's a big but. And it's an important but. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How many of you are going to give your your loved one or your child a present this year at Christmas? A few of you, that's great. That's awesome. How many of you, you're going to line them up when it's Christmas morning and you're going to open up your your, uh, wallet and you're going to say, okay, it's time to pay up. If you want the gift, hand over the dough. How many of you do that? That's not your tradition? That's our family tradition. Uh, You want some gifts, you got to pay for it. Gifts don't grow on trees. That went better for the first hour. So, That's right. Gifts are free. They're freely given. You don't have to earn it. At least that's the way it should be. And the greatest gift ever is free. You don't have to earn it. The greatest gift ever is that God realized our our separatedness and said, you know what? There's no way. They can't pay the debt. They can't fix this on their own. Jesus, you've got to go down and do this for us. And so Jesus came down. And he took our sin upon himself. He died on the cross, conquering sin and death and victory. He rose again three days later. And he said, if you receive my love, my forgiveness, if you believe in me, I will make you one of my children. I will give you the free gift of eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And God desires all to be a part of his family. Romans 8.32, we are lost in our sins. We are captured and yet 32 says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus' free gift is to set us free and make us a part of the family of God. So we must take this truth that here is the attitude that we are to have. According to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, I urge you, do you hear that? I urge you, I beg you, I plead with you. This is an urgent message. How many of you get urgent messages in your mailbox? Those are the ones you're supposed to open first. This is God's urgent email to you. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions and prayers and intercession, petitions, prayers, intercession, these are our ways of begging, uh, calling out to the Father, begging Him for His mercy, and praying on behalf of all the people. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. All people. Are you praying for those that God has put in your life? Are you praying for those that you work with? Are you praying for your barista? Are you praying for the guy who cuts your hair? Are you praying for the lady who does your nails? Or the guy who does your nails? Are you praying for each and every person in your life? For kings. For those in authority. For the, pain, for, the, for the poor, for the lame. That we, would made, that we would live peacefully and quiet lives and all godliness and holiness with each other. But also, verse 3, that this is good and it pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of Him and truth. 
my junior year of high school, there was this guy in my PE class that always tried to push my buttons. And I can be a long-suffering, tolerant person, but man, this one day in gym PE class, an elbow to the face just was like, uh-uh, no more. Going up for a rebound, he elbowed me, and I grabbed his head, and I put him in a headlock, and I started punching his face. And Then the Holy Spirit's like, how are you going to lead him to me now? Seriously, while I'm punching this guy in the face, that's what crosses my mind. Finally, I stopped and let go. I was like, man, as soon as I let go, I'm going to get decked. I let go, and he didn't punch me. The PE teacher came up and said, what's going on here? And I said, I'm sorry, it's my fault. I started a fight. He was like, both of you, to the principal. We went to the principal, and I was sure, no fighting. You get suspended. Uh, I was sure, so I just went in. I was like, sir, he shouldn't be in here. I, I did this. It's my fault. He's like, are you guys good? Go back to class. From that point on, the guy never pushed a button. I don't know if he ever accepted Jesus, but instead of being annoyed by him, I needed to be praying for him. Prayers and petition for all people. God wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. For there is no one that God, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, and that is the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, for all people. This is now been witnessed to at the proper time, and it is for this purpose that I was appointed. It is for this purpose that you were appointed, to be a a sent one. That's what the word apostle means, a sent one. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I send you. And we are to be the church sent into this world for this purpose, that we would pray that people would come to know him, and we would be instruments in his hands. Number three. Third truth we need to know in confidence is that we do not go alone. Jesus said, I will be with you until the end of the age with his disciples in the book of Acts as he was getting ready. Okay, fishermen, tax collectors, those of you whose lives I've transformed, you're now my disciples. I want you to go and make other disciples. I want you to go and teach them everything I've taught you. I want you to go and and share with them the good news, but you can't do it alone. You need to wait. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power. Say power. Power. Say power. Power. That is what we will receive. The word there is dunamis, where we get dynamite from. That's some powerful stuff. Power to be witnesses. There are going to be times when you need power because you're not going to know what to say, but Jesus says, don't worry about what to say. When those ask you about your faith, I will give you the words to say. You will receive power, boldness, and courage. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. And Jerusalem, their hometown, and Judea, a little further out, that's Prince William, that's Northern Virginia, and Samaria. That's the places that are uncomfortable to go. Samaria, Jews didn't go to Samaria. That was the other side of the tracks. They didn't like those people. I want you to go even to those who you are uncomfortable to reach. Go to Samaria and to the ends of the earth, everywhere. Jesus said, the gospel will be preached to all nations and then the end will come. Not that we want the end of the world. It's not like that. 
We want the end to come when Jesus' kingdom is restored on earth as it is in heaven. And that won't happen until the gospel is preached to all nations. And you know where that starts? With your neighbor. It starts with your coworker, your classmate. It starts right here. And we don't only have the Spirit with us. He gives us power, and He helps us to overcome the doubt and the struggle. For the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power. He gives us love. He gives us self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me as His prisoner. Rather, join me in suffering for the gospel. There are people all around the world who live in fear of having their family their, their livelihood taken from them for their belief in Christ, who, who live in fear of being put in prison for their beliefs. I got to meet with a couple missionary uh, translators that are in China right now, and they said we're there as English teachers, and they, they work in as English teachers, but when they're home, they're literally translating the Word of God, word by word, into languages where the Word of God does not yet exist. One of their co-workers, uh, 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 someone that lives in China, was discovered to be a part of their ring and was put in prison for proselytizing and illegally having the word of God. There are people in this world, by the way, the church in China is growing faster than any other part of the world. It's many times in persecution where the church thrives and grows. Join me in suffering. For the gospel. Luke 21. And you will bear testimony to me. And make up your mind not to worry beforehand how to defend yourself. For I will give you the words and the wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. A junior in high school, I was nominated to be the president of the Thespian Society. And uh, I don't know where they got the idea that I'd be good on stage, but... Uh, I was I was an actor in high school and president of the Thespian Club, and there was a week before school started, and all the clubs had information tables. And that week that was the that summer I felt called to the ministry, and I was like, everything I do, God, I want to be a missionary first for you. How can I use the platform as a president of a club to share your name and to share your truth? And so I decided I had heard this talk about how Ronald Reagan, uh, one of the greatest presidents we ever had passed the Equal Access Act, where he said if there can be a chess club and a math club, there can be a prayer club, there can be a Christian club on every campus. And so that year, I was bound and determined to start a prayer club and a Christian club on my high school campus. And so uh, we had all the clubs set up with tables, uh, advertising their clubs. And so I just went out of the way, set up another table, set up some materials I got from my church about how to become a Christian, how to join this club that we were going to start. And the next thing I know, few minutes into the day, I was being escorted to the principal's office. The principal was like, John, uh, you got to tell me what's going on out here. And I had no idea how these words came out of my mouth. And I can't even quote to you everything I said, but I know that I basically said, my friends are going to hell. There's a God that loves them, and I want them to know the truth. And a couple minutes later, he was like, okay, have a good day. And the club started. Don't be afraid. If we step out with him, for him, he will give us the words to say. So, let's 
wrap this up. How do we do this? I want to give you a little acronym that will help us remember some basic principles of how we can be gospel sharers, how we can be evangelists. Now, I understand what Rob meant. There are certain gifts, and some of you are great evangelists. Some of you are great teachers. There are different gifts. Uh, We're all wired differently. But all of us have the responsibility to bless others and to share the truth with others. And, and, And you may do it one way, and you may do it another, but there are certain truths that have to be shared. And the truth is, is that Jesus is the only way to the Father. He's the only way to become a part of the family of God. And all of us have a responsibility to do that. Acts 3.26 says this, When God raised up his servants, he sent him first to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. This past week, there was a group from our church who went to a home because they understood there was some, some need there. We also knew that this was a family who were part of the Islamic faith. They're Muslim. They believe in the Quran. Now, in the Islamic faith, they believe that Jesus was a great prophet. So there's some common ground. But what didn't happen was the Christians from our church didn't go in front of their house and hold up signs saying, you go to hell unless you come to Jesus. I mean, Jesus said, go to them and love them into the family. Let them see your love for one another and their love for them. And through that means, they will come to know me, their father in heaven. And so this group of people went there and this this family struggling. uh, They're struggling to make ends meet. You can tell at one time they had it together. Um, But as as life sometimes has it, things come our way and they're struggling. And so uh, a group of people from our church went and cleaned their carpets uh, repaired some broken things in their home, uh, redid their part of their bathroom, uh, all just in the name of loving and caring on them and hopefully getting the right to share with them Jesus. And by the end of the week, a couple conversations were able to be had about who Jesus is and why we do what we do. And they said that they would come and check out one of our Christmas services. How can we share our hope? We are blessed so that we can be a blessing. I'm going to give you these five letters as we close. And these will go quick. So write them down. Go back and study the principles later. But most of all, put them into practice each and every day of your life. Number one, if we're going to bless people, we're going to begin with prayer. I already read this verse, 1 Timothy 2.1. I urge you then, first of all, through prayers and petitions and intercession and thanksgiving, pray for all. So we need to be praying for our coworkers, our neighbors, the guy that drives us in the slug line, uh, our barista, every single person that God put in your life, he loves them. He wants them to be in his family. So begin by praying for them each and every day. I challenged you to write down three names last week. How often are you praying for those three names? Pray. Begin with prayer. Everything good, nothing good and outside of heaven happens apart from prayer. We need to be praying people. The L in bless. Listen with care. Proverbs, always listen before you answer. If you don't, you're just being stupid and insulting. Proverbs 20, verse 5. A person's thought are like a water in uh, a deep well, but someone with insight and the ability to listen will draw that out. So in your life, be listening. Turn, tune into the Holy Spirit and what he's saying. 
Tune in to the things your coworkers are saying. If you hear your coworker struggling about something uh, in their family, be generous, be loving. Ask them how they're doing. Offer to pray. Hey, how can I help you? I heard you're, I heard you're dealing with this tough situation. Is there some way I can be of assistance? Listen with care. Eat together. In many cultures, sharing a meal is a way of opening up someone's heart and having the opportunity to share and listen. Find opportunities to eat with one another. Romans 12, 13 says, share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Find ways of getting together, not just to do Bible study, but to, to literally just listen and to share a meal. Hey, Bob, how you doing? How's your family doing? Can I buy you a burger at lunch? Just want you to know that I'm here for you if you need anything. And then we begin to see the doors open as we begin to serve one another, the first S in bless. 1 Peter 2.12 says, Live such good lives among your unbelieving neighbors. Live such good lives among your unbelieving neighbors that they may see the good things you do and come to know our Father in heaven. It's the way we live, not just what we say, not just what we think, not just how many verses we memorize. It's how we live among them. It's how we love among them. And the last S, after we've prayed for them, after we're listening to their needs, after we're finding a way of caring for them, sharing meals with them and serving them, then we have the opportunity to share with them why we're here, what we're all about, the great family that we have. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks, um, asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And it may be as simple as, I don't know all the great things I can tell you about Jesus, but what I do know is once I was blind, now I see. Why don't you come to my church? I'd love to let you learn more, help you learn more. If, if, If someone asks you a question you can't answer, be honest about it. Just say, you know, I don't know how to answer that, or I don't know how to explain that, but let me find out and get back to you, and then do that. Share your story. Share what you do know. And do it with gentleness. Do it with respect. Always do it listening to their heart, looking for an opportunity to lead them one step at a time. And then the fourth thing as we, as the band comes up, Let us remember that this is about Jesus saying, I'm throwing a party, a celebration, a banquet, and I want my house to be full. There are people in this world who do not yet know me. Go out to the highways and the byways, the hedges and the alleys, and bring them in. Bring them all in. Luke 14, 23, go into the streets and everywhere else. And invite everyone you find to come with me so that my house will be full. One of the blessings of being here in Hilton High School is we got plenty of seats. There's lots of room for you to invite those that God is putting on your heart. Many people will see what we do. Psalm 40, verse 3. Many people will see your worship 
and that they will worship him. Then they will trust in him as the one. Your action plan this week. Which of those three you're praying for? Are you going to invite to come with you to our services throughout the month of December? We want them to feel the welcome. We want them to feel that this is a family that God wants them to be a part of. You are the servant. Christ is saying, go out to the streets, the highways and the byways, and invite them in that my house will be full. Father God, I pray that as we realize the call that you've put in our life, the call to be your family, the call to share your love, that we would take these responsibilities seriously. There are so many people in this world who don't know you. There are so many people in this world that need to know you as Father and Savior and Lord and that they can be forgiven by simply believing. Help us to be the vehicles through which your love will flow and enter the lives of those you put around us. If you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor John, I'm not sure even where I stand with God. It's this simple. God loves you. You don't have to do anything to earn that love. And and the the great truth is the gift of being in his family is, is a free gift. You just have to receive it. So if you're here this morning, it's as simple as you saying, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I know I don't live the kind of life that I probably should. Forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and make me new. Show me, Jesus, what it means to follow you. And the journey will start there. You can call out to him today. Today is the day of salvation, the scriptures say. If you don't know him, you don't have to leave today apart from him. Call out to him and he will become your Lord. If you're here this morning and you know him as Savior, but you're kind of sitting back, enjoying the easy ride when it comes to faith, get out of your comfort zone. Start sharing your faith the way that God wants us to. As Jesus was sent, he now sends us to be that vessel through which his love flows to reach those he has put in your life. God, move in our life now, I pray. In your name, amen. Our worship team is going to close us in a time of worship and reflection. At the four corners of this room, there is a table. On each table, there's a basket of bread and a cup of juice. Why is it there? It's not just for snack time. It's there because Jesus took that meal the night before he was arrested. And he held up a piece of bread and he said, As often as you eat of this bread, remember how my body was broken for you. He took the cup and he said, As often as you tasted this cup, remember my blood shed for you. As you eat of this, remember I died for you so you could live for me. So we invite you as we close our service, if you are a member of the family of God, to make your way to any of those four tables, to take that bread and that cup and remember what he did for you. On each table is also an empty basket. And we are encouraged to worship God with all of our life, with our time, our talent, our treasure. And if you want to give of your time, of your talent and your treasure, then you can do so by leaving an offering in that basket. It is the way that we give back uh, to God out of what he's blessed us. If you're visiting today, we don't want you to feel any obligation to give. We hope today that your heart is open to receive the love of Jesus. 
And then one other thing. If you gave your heart to Jesus today, I'd love to hear from you. Before you leave today, I'll be lingering around the front. I'll be standing up there in a minute, ready to pray with any of you that want to pray. But if you gave your heart to Jesus today, I want to invite you and welcome you into the family of God personally. Come let me know. I'd love to give you a hug and to pray with you. Let us know. So now, let's stand. Let's worship and respond as the Lord leads us through communion, through the giving of tithes and offerings, and through seeking prayer with one another at the front, if that's what you need. Respond now as the Lord leads you.